ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 119 of the Whatery Show. We have got a lot of great stuff for you to enjoy since you can't leave your house anyway. Um, that's right, if you're listening to this from the future, we're still in coronavirus times and we're still pretty much on lockdown, uh, but we're making the best of it. Uh, Matt and I are, have recorded now twice, uh, uh, you know, one in, in week like and a then week. the next week. Yeah. yeah. Like like a regular cadence for a podcast, so, you know, it's doing lots of weird things to our brains, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, we got a lot of good stuff for you this week. Um, I, I've got some tech topics I want to discuss uh, and so a little bit of gaming. Uh, but but I think the thing that th- this episode is going to center around is going to be Star Trek Picard, um, whose finale was just this last Thursday. We're you know three days off of that, and uh, I think I think we're in to talk about it. You know, we are. We're going to hold that off until the end of the show. And I do want to put yep. this in up front right now. We are not going to avoid spoiler territory. So if you've not watched it and you don't want us to spoil it. Um, you know, not that we don't want you to listen to the show, but we also don't want to ruin anything for you and we're too selfish not to talk spoilers. So do with that what you will. Correct. Um, yeah, we will uh, probably warn you about spoilers again as we get closer to like the main topic. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's your fault. If you're, if you listen at this point, you've already had a lot of warning. It's your fault. Not me. I'm not to blame. Uh, I can barely be responsible for my own decisions. I'm not responsible for yours, too. Yeah, we're 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 less at fault, uh, you know, for this than you know, perhaps a sitting president is, uh, with the whole pandemic thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, what could he do except for use the authorization and authorities granted to him as president of the United States? Anyway, um, possibly listen to medical authorities. I don't know. Maybe it's a tricky one. Uh, okay, let's get into some stuff. Um. Sounds like you've been having some fun with some Apple Pay. Yeah, so um, I, I just mentioned this. So, like, I use Apple Pay. I have been using Apple Pay religiously. As soon as my bank added it, like, I signed that shit up, like, immediately. Um, but the thing was, my bank, I use a small credit union. Um, I should say not bank, but a small credit union. Uh, local, there's only, like, five branches in existence. And, you know, they basically only serve this county. Um, so, anyway, for a long time, they didn't have Apple Pay. So, my first thing I want to say is... Yo, use Apple Pay. Like, uh, the, one of the things that I don't like about going to the grocery store is touching those pin pads. Ooh, yeah. A- Apple Apple Pay or Google Pay or Samsung Pay or whatever the fuck pay. Like, almost every phone these days is made um, so you can do contactless payment through that. Use it. It's really easy to set up. And uh, in the Apple world, you just, you know, go to settings and, like, follow the prompts. And it's it's it takes, like, five seconds. Um if you have an Apple Watch, it's also really ridiculously easy to add through the Watch app um, your Apple Pay stuff, so you don't even have to take out your phone and do Apple Pay. I'm sure the same is true for Google Pay on uh, Google Watches, if that's a thing. I mean, I know they exist, but I don't know if anybody actually has them. Um, but here's my life hack. Here's my life hack. So um, I've seen like two Samsung Gears out in the wild. Yeah, um, and you can kind of notice because it's like a dinner plate strapped on somebody's rich, uh, wrist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so here's my life hack if you don't have a bank that supports apple pay uh you can use the square cash app um so i don't know if this is true for android but before i had a bank that supported apple pay i used the square cash app and then i'd transfer some money into the square cash app and then i'd use that because square cash actually supports apple pay so you can use all that through your phone uh, just like you would a regular card um and, and still get all the benefits so yeah life hack Square Cash app supports Apple Pay, even if you don't have an Apple Pay card to feed into it. And then I think Square, you can fund with all kinds of stuff. Like, I think you can use a regular debit card, checking account, PayPal, whatever. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I should mention uh, for those of you who are like, uh, you know, 
uh, I can't afford that extra fee. There is a little bit of a fee. Um, it's not ridiculous, and it's one of those things that like I don't really notice. But if somebody showed, showed me a spreadsheet of it um, over like my ten year usage, I'd probably be pissed off. But uh, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um. I. You know, I use I use uh, Apple Pay a little bit, um, although my credit union does not, uh, or at least my current card isn't supported. Uh, I think maybe that that'll change when I get a new one. Hope so. But but uh, um, I do. I have it set up through my credit card, so you know, in certain situations, I can use my Apple Watch for that. Uh, and it is extremely fucking handy. And what's really cool is a lot of people that are hanging out, you know, by you in the in the stores don't know it and so when you do it they think you're a wizard and that's always nice oh dude uh one of my local stores th- they call me like fancy watchman or something like that um so like <laughs> it should be noted i do and not live old in the crazy watchman <laughs> yeah i don't live in a, a booming metropolis i live in a very small town um so yeah it is still very much a novelty but uh hey i don't have to touch that reader as much and that makes me very happy so you know yeah yeah uh I am actually speaking of Apple Watches uh, in the market uh, for for a new one uh, coming up soon. Same. I've been looking at prices, and uh, looks like if you get the five when it's on sale, there's only like a twenty five dollar difference between the four and the five at this point. So I'm I'm kind of holding out for the five. I I can only recommend two courses of action. So number one is either get the Series Three because right now that's cheap and it's good um it, it's i think a sub 200 dollars cheap right now yeah exactly or get the five um because the five like i saw it on sale the other day for like 375 or something like that yeah which um you know that's still a lot of money and 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 you know grateful that i can speak from this uh, amount of privilege that we can even discuss like spending 375 dollars on this thing that we d- absolutely don't need but um that's a pretty good deal for that um that said I have to check timelines because the five has been out for a while. Yeah. Uh, since last year, October, November, sometime around there. Okay. Yeah. We're still, we're still in the midpoint. Like you still got a ways before we can get to the actual like thing here. So yeah, the five is pretty cool. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be checking that out pretty soon. Um, other than that, uh, Apple wise haven't done it. Oh, you know what? That's not true. That's not true. I actually, um, have been uh, using my Mac mini quite a bit when i work from home because i can throw uh you know a, a tv show on on the uh on the old mac mini and throw my airpods in and not have to worry about wires or anything like that and then i'm entertained while i'm working that i love it um uh i actually really kind of think i need a mac mini or something stationary on my desk like i have a um so like you i have a windows pc sitting on my desk but i do desperately miss um having a mac connected especially for iMessage um yeah like i i usually now have my ipad propped open on my desk next to me um only because like answering a text message with a fucking screen seems like like am i am i an animal like do i have to do that um and and the answer is no i can use my ipad right next to me but i think i'd like a better solution because the thing is i have you know like two keyboards and i don't like shifting between them and i think with uh mac mini or some shit like that i could probably do like a have you heard of synergy no, but I do have a KVM switch, so I can just toggle my keyboard back and forth between the two machines. Yeah, that helps. Um, Synergy is like a, um, basically is like a virtual environment for your mouse and keyboard, so you can sort of like swing them between one machine or the other. 
which I think would be very, very helpful. Like I was looking at ways to do that on the iPad. I actually had in my Amazon uh, cart for a, a little bit a keyboard, a Bluetooth keyboard that you could switch between devices. But I decided that was a little bit too much like uh, I, I don't need this thing. It's just a mild annoyance situation. So anyway. Logitech, uh, some of their wireless uh, keyboards and mice actually uh, are now like they're, they're dual machine uh, compatible. So you can have them hooked into two devices at one time and, and it it just works somehow. Yeah. It's magic, I think. Lots of uh, Bluetooth keyboards and, and mice actually support that. Like mice, it's harder to do, but Bluetooth keyboards, like you hit the function key and then select which input you like you want the thing to go to so you can be connected. Most of them support like at least three devices. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Eddie and I were talking the other day about the Mac Mini, and I mentioned to him that one of the things that was really impressive is is I actually have a late 2012 uh, Mac Mini. Uh, I think it's got a Core i5 in it. Maybe it's a Core 2 Duo. I'm not even sure. Um, uh, but uh, it's it's actually pretty functional for an eight year old uh, you know Mini PC. I I swapped out the standard hard drive uh, for an SSD. Uh, right about the time, uh, what what OS are we in now, Catalina? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So right about the time Catalina came out, I swapped it to an SSD, uh, did the upgrade to Catalina, and it it just it just moves right along. Like it, there's, I don't have any uh, like there's there's at no point ever am I like, God damn it, I need to get a new one of these. How much RAM is in that thing? Uh, do I have sixteen? I think I have sixteen in it. Oh yeah, if you have sixteen, that that's fine. Like the thing is, and it's DDR three, but it's not even DDR four, obviously, because it's two thousand twelve. I've been saying this for a long time, but um, most people's experience with computers is not actually bottlenecked by the CPU. It hasn't been for a long time. Uh, obviously, evidenced by this, uh, uh, I think most people's uh, uh, you know sort of frustration with computers and they're slow is because you're working off of a, a you know an H hdd hard disk drive uh rather than an ssd um solid state or um you just ram starved you know so like some of those machines only had you know like two to five you know two to eight gigs or something like that which you know four gigs is a little tough um the macbook air i use has a i think four gigs in it it still works mostly fine but i do experience some slowdowns that kind of great if it's a couple years old uh then four gigs would have been the standard for the for the air yeah, for sure. It's it's a 20, I want to say 2015. So I hit that as a bottleneck, but there's very few tasks that I run up against that like the CPU is the thing that's like killing me. Um, of course, you know, I'm not gaming on it and I don't really edit the show or, you know, have to do post-processing on that machine. So if I did, I'd probably be pissed off. But um, yeah, it's fine. Like if... if can, can you replace components on the air? No. Um, I, I think since like after the original the original air that was like way too expensive and really sucked performance wise i think they basically soldered everything together and that kind of formed their strategy moving on gotcha gotcha so you can't add ram to that thing no it's like soldered into the board that that's one of the things actually that i think is a real big dick move on apple's part and i I like that they're like ooh, we get this complete package and it's so smooth and sleek and blah 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 but um not being able to add ram is a real real letdown because I, I could probably go on using this machine for quite a while if I could just, you know, stick some more RAM in it. Yeah. Um, so my, my MacBook or MacBook, my Mac Mini is dual purpose, actually. Um, I'm a Savage and I have two different size monitors. And uh, how dare you? And and so the the second purpose that my Mac Mini serves is my smaller monitor actually sits on it to extend its pedestal. And so the bottoms of my monitors actually line up perfectly. 
that you know i want to make fun of that but i can't even because apple right now sells a thousand dollar fucking monitor stand uh so if you got a mac mini that's probably like two hundred dollars on the used market and you're using that as a monitor stand cool uh, also bonus points you get to actually use it as a mac mini so uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it's fine it's fine also released this week, um, so iOS 13.4 dropped, um, which is not really remarkable if you're using it on an iPhone, but if you're using it on an iPad, you can now use a mouse with it. Um, so Bluetooth mouse or uh, a trackpad if you want to buy Apple's Magic trackpad. Although here's a big, big ass caveat. So what did I do? I went to eBay and I bought a Magic Mouse, the Magic Mouse once one. It was like, you know, $30 or something like that. And I hook it up. And the pointer's working great, except for I can't use the scroll. Um, so have you ever used a Magic Mouse? I have not. Well, no, that, I take that back. I have, uh, because some of the um, older Mac equipment that we had actually had the, the Magic Mouse with it. Yeah, so this is w- the one with, that uh, has a touch surface on the top. And so you use that for scrolling. So it's, there's no scroll wheel. It's all gestures and whatever. Um, uh, when you connect the Magic Mouse to a Mac, um, you can use like a two-finger swipe across the top to go back and forward and all that kind of stuff. It is actually pretty cool. But none of that shit's on the iPad. So I have a fucking Magic Mouse sitting on my desk that I can't scroll with, which uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but a mouse that doesn't have scroll is fucking unusable. Um, it, it's just absolutely <laughs> not usable for anything at all. Pretty much if I have to click on the scroll bar on the screen and drag, I'm not doing exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so instead, I ordered a fucking $15 uh, mouse on uh, Amazon that showed up, and I've been using that, and it is actually really good. Like, I'm really, really enjoying using a mouse with the iPad. Uh, number one, because for me, most of the time, I might, my iPad is my mobile thing it's like my mobile my mobile device i don't usually actually have a laptop with me all that often um and there's only a few things that i really really hate about using as an ipad as a mobile and one of them was like cursor support like i have to keep reaching up to the screen and touching it like an animal you know i got a keyboard right here (laughs) and then i gotta i gotta reach my stupid fat arms up to like hit the screen like who does that um so yeah, savages. Um, so bringing cursor support to the iPad was a huge gain for me. Um, so I've been using that a lot, and I really, really like it. There's a little bit of stuff that I, I hope they improve on. Like, so for example, the mouse settings are basically nothing. Like, you get acceleration support, you know, so like you can click and drag and decide how fast your cursor is going to fly across your screen. But that's it, basically. Um, so like on every other OS, I think you basically get, you know, some control over the scroll scroll wheel and stuff like that. Uh, And I'd like them to be more granular with what they do for the, um, you know, like right click functions and stuff like that. Um, That's another thing that's very, very helpful. There's a lot of things that we would consider right click gestures in the um, regular Mac OS or uh, um, Windows world that exist on iPad, um, except for their force touch or... uh, uh, um, now that force touch has gone away, even on uh, since that's not a thing on the iPhone 11, they have that like sort of push and hold thing. I almost never figure those out because like who, again, who does that? Who's just going to sit around and poke on their screen for like a half second on every item to figure out which things do a force touch thing and which things don't. Um, but with right click, it's really, really nice. Like, uh, you know, that takes a half a se- like no time at all. And then um, you figured all these extra sort of things you could do with your thing um that you couldn't before so yeah i like it i I was actually going to ask if right click was pre-enabled on the ipad and yeah so it's 
its default is that right click is uh with it i think it's called like secondary click or something like that um uh but yeah it works really really well so you can use right click all over the place um the other thing that's good is if you're a developer you mostly get this stuff out of the box like it's all basically free um there are some support you have to do for it but you know most of the basic controls um in the developer world uh work just fine uh, um, without updating or without doing anything. That said, there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do now in iPadOS with uh, cursor support that you couldn't do before. Like, for example, here's one thing that sort of solidified uh, uh, my ability to use an iPad as my main device, uh, main mobile devices. Um, my website that we use for scheduling for work is mostly based around... Uh, um, uh, a web page, but it's also uh, heavily dependent on hover state. Um, so there's no concept of hover state on a tablet. Um, you can't hover your finger over and have the tablet recognize that, unfortunately. Um, but you can do that with a mouse. Um, so we've been using hover states for all kinds of things like tooltips and whatever on computers for many, many years now. Um, but you couldn't do that before. Now you can. So actually now I can actually produce a schedule and do that on my iPad. Whereas before I definitely couldn't because hover states was just such a... Um, key part of the interaction that it, it was unusable without it so very nice yeah i probably will never do that much work on my ipad uh but i know that you're it's it's you you take that more than you take a laptop anywhere so for you that's probably super fucking handy yeah i don't blame you like um i gotta say like have you seen the new ipad announcements the new pros and stuff like that no Okay, so there's new iPad Pros, and the short story is the the iPads themselves are not that much cooler than the 2018 Pros. Um, it's it's a spec bump at best, I would say, and they get LiDAR support, which means AR stuff can be better, which is cool, but almost nobody I know uses AR for anything right now. Um, but the thing that's really cool is they've got a new, like, sort of keyboard stand thing going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the new, the uh, actually the 20, I can't remember the 2018 or 2019 model uh, basic iPad even has the uh, the new snap-in keyboard support. Yeah. So they've got a new keyboard thing, though, for the pros specifically. And it basically sits it on this, like, cantilevered hinge. Um, so you can adjust angle and height, which is really, really cool to be able to do. Uh, um, and that's the thing that I want the most on my current model iPad, uh, but I can't get because number one, it, it's, uh, only for the iPad pro either both models, fortunately, the, the last year's, you know, you know, previous years, 2018 and also this year's, but, and here's a big, but it's also 300 fucking dollars for a keyboard thing for your iPad. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, in the mechanical world of keyboards, like, it's like, oh, yeah, keyboards are expensive if you want a good one. I get that. And when I tell people, like, my keyboard was, like, $125, they're like, what the hell? But I can go to Walmart and I can spend $14 and I can get a keyboard and it's going to put letters on the screen. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I get the whole keyboard lust and things costing a lot of money, but $300 for a keyboard thing is a fucking lot, even if it's got a really cool hinge on it. I spent 90 and I'm pretty sure my wife almost had me committed. Oh yeah. When I brought it home. So like the thing was, I went, I went to fries and I, um, uh, this, when fries was still good, I went to fries and I was going up there for a couple of hard drives. I told her that's what I was going to go do. Um, only they only had one in stock. So I bought one hard drive and I was like, well, I guess I can get another thing. So I bought this keyboard 
And when I came home and I told her I spent $125 on a keyboard, um, you know, I, I wish she'd eat more gold because we could have gotten a like solid ingot. She would have just shit out a solid gold ingot, you know. Uh, but, you know, instead <laughs> it was just a regular brick. Um, oh, because she yeah. eats gravel and stuff, right? Like I, One assumes. I don't know. <laughs> no um yeah no i, I kind of get the same same reaction when i spend money on things like that so i i get it yeah i mean if you're a nerd and you spend a lot of time in front of a uh, computer your accessories your keyboards your mice etc you know I, I can make an argument to spend a lot of money on that but 300 dollars for a keyboard mouse combo is about the highest price i can think of um in terms of like peripheral sort of things are you, are you rocking cherry reds or cherry blues uh, actually browns oh browns yeah browns uh which i like they're they're um good for typing that's that's haptic right no um it's still cherry mx like uh, that sort of style it's just got a softer landing i think a little bit than the others and and a quicker activation so like um you don't need as much force to press it like these would be the um i i hear them referred to a lot of the time as the typist uh switch sure no i've got i've got mx reds um Oh, reds are good. Which are, I mean, it's plenty loud without an actual click. I mean, they're not blues. Blues are like, uh, blues have if the you want your clicky. neighbors to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it, maybe it's the silver. Maybe it's the silver that doesn't do the click, but it's got a haptic feedback to it. I, I'd i have to, you know, I honestly, I'd have to bring out a key tester. Um, that That's my next project one of these days is I want to, you know, get a different uh, key tester or mess around with some keyboards. You know, that is the downside of the fall of retail. Like, I'd really like to be able to go into a store well, the fall of retail and also like everything you touch is going to kill you sort of situation we're in right now. Um, um, I'd really like to be able to go in a store and mess around with different keyboards. Like it used to be back in the day, we could go into a fries or, you know, like a micro center or, you know, way back in the day, you could have like a circuit city um, today, even maybe a little bit Best Buy. Um, and you could try different <laughs> circuit city still exists. Does it really? It's Yeah, I think it's online only now really that's blowing my mind because I, I i was pretty sure they got completely shut down and liquidated they might actually be owned by uh the same outfit that owns tiger direct yeah that does that wouldn't surprise me i i would expect somebody bought them but anyway you used to be able to go on uh at, to a store and like try out a keyboard and see if you liked it um i wish that was the thing that existed now i mean now your only options really are to order like a switch sampler thing which you know is basically just a a small device with like seven different keys on it that has different uh um switches last last uh, topic in the technology corner that i've got anyway is my my storage situation actually actually before we we really leave the keyboard uh arena um so recently I co-opted my uh uh my wife's computer cuz she was like I don't use it anymore it's taking up space blah 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 and I was like well I can just use it as a server and she's like yeah but I do edit photos sometimes so as long as I'm allowed to use your computer sometimes then that would be fine. So I begrudgingly agreed. <laughs> so what you do there is you just map all the keys to the keyboard um so like order some blank keycaps and then um, just remap all the shortcuts, and then you're fine. Because then she won't want to use it because she won't know how. No, no, no. I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind sharing. But she looked at my keyboard, which was like covered in dust because I hadn't used my home computer a ton recently because I sit at work all day and use my computer there, and then I don't really get on my computer much when I get home. She was like, "I'm not using that computer until it's 
you know your keyboard is, is cleaned off and whatnot um but i was going to say the really nice thing about having the the mechanical keyboard was i just pulled all the caps off and completely wiped everything down dusted it and put everything back and now it's like nothing ever happened oh yeah it's it's lovely because you can take all those caps throw them in a bowl with some water and a little bit of detergent or whatever and uh they come out perfectly clean wipe them down let them dry air dry it's beautiful i mean i don't want to sound like i'm flaunting my wealth but i used a lysol wipe or a clorox wipe holy shit you were talking about hundred dollar keyboards and you brought out the lysol wipe and now i'm like all right sir please <laughs> please uh, a pittance a pittance for your puppets you know all right so yeah keyboard stuff is really cool and actually if you want to get into the mechanical world it's cheaper now than ever like the the i was looking at a keyboard that was like i want to say 40 or 50 dollars on amazon that was uh, bluetooth compatible and mechanical uh so if you're into that kind of thing i would go check that out like right away i'll, I'll try to throw a sh- uh link in the show notes if i think about it and just look for stuff on sale like like i said i spent 89 on my corsair strafe and it's it's a really nice nice um keyboard its macros aren't 100 percent customizable um, but there's a lot you can do with it all right storage you were going to talk storage yeah okay so here's the thing we're all cooped up at home we can't do anything internet sucks in a lot of places for a lot of people and here i am i come along and i'm like who cares bitches i've got like 20 terabytes of storage in my server um i got a whole bunch of shit downloaded and ripped from blu-rays and what have you totally legally um and uh you know no problem except for the here's the thing like i need more storage i need more storage so uh few problems so number one um i was trying to play some games on my pc and i was downloading some stuff from steam because there's a lot of things on sale thankfully a lot of companies right now are like um yeah you're stuck at home um so we're going to capitalize on that so here's a steam sale or whatever um steam hasn't said that but there's just a lot of titles on sale i mean we don't have like a full-on steam summer sale or anything like that going on right now but it's there's there's a few things yeah there's some good properties i think you can pick up for cheap so anyway um one of them i i got was assassin's creed something or other odyssey maybe that would be that would be the 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 newest hotness when it comes to assassin's creed i think something like that so anyway i i went to go download it except for i have no disk space on my pc um so i was like okay i'll just hit up amazon i'll order a disk you know it's i can get two terabytes for probably around 40 or 50 bucks these days um and that's probably good you know like i've been rocking a one terabyte machine in my uh or one terabyte thing in my machine for a really long time now and I've mostly been supplementing with a couple of small SSDs for games that I play a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, except for when I added it to my cart, the shipping time was like not for another like four weeks. Because um, <clears throat> it's not a needed medical supply. Pretty much. Yeah, they were like, um, you're just going to use this for masturbation. We're not doing that. Uh so they they just like there's nothing i could do so i was hitting up all the other sites like local like what's okay what's walmart got what's best buy got what's anybody got and there's a lot of like um you can still fortunately buy external hard drives um that use usb3 but again i'm not an animal so you know i need a i need an internal disk to go into my thing fortunately i forgot about it for a few days and then i uh went ahead and uh uh, checked again and then all of a sudden shipping got updated and I could get it in like three or four days so I ordered that stuck it in my machine and now fortunately games are downloading okay but simultaneously other 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 super cool problem I have 
a four terabyte hard drive that I bought from my whole server setup. Um, so like I mentioned before, I've got, you know, like a good, I think now it'll be 20 terabytes of storage on my server. Um, but I can't really use it because, uh, unfortunately, setting it up is proving to be difficult. So I use, <laughs> um, uh, and again, this should be the easiest thing in the world. But here's the thing. When you create a system that's overly complicated, you're going to get overly complicated uh, setup procedures. So I have um, a, a, a server machine out there that's a single-use server um, that has an HBA that attaches to a big-ass storage array. So I can put 16 drives into my storage array. However, for whatever reason, the VM I have assigned to run my storage uh, has decided that it, it just doesn't want to add new disks. Um, and that reading anything from that like storage thing is like impossible. So we're talking about ESXi, uh, I think want to say 5.0 on this storage storage server. Um, and, and it's a VM VM running on ESXi. Uh, and so for whatever reason, what I've been doing before was uh, raw disk mapping to ESXi, which basically is like you create a fake virtual disk that points to the regular ass raw disk and then you know just add it as a device and it's no big deal that is not working for me at all for some reason like uh for whatever reason um i anytime i try to add a disk i just get like infinite spinner basically and it just sits there and tries to add like i let it sit for an hour um even when i ssh into the machine and for my one singular vm when i try to look at its storage pool stuff um, it just sits there for like, it, I, I run an LS, you know, in the command line, cause I've, I, I'm a command line hacker and it, it sits there for like, you know, a good solid 30 seconds before it returns any results, which if you've ever used a command line at all, um, whether it's windows or, uh, or Linux or whatever, just getting a, a, a directory listing taking 30 seconds is ridiculous. So the weird thing is though, only that one machine. Any other uh, sub subdirectory, you know, because it's all stored as directories. Any other machines uh, storage I want to look at, instantaneous, practically. But that one screwed up, so I can't add. I got a whole four terabyte hard disk sitting out there that I'm trying to add to this pool that I can't, and it's really pissing me off. So I, I don't know about other nerds, but like my immediate response to this is go nuclear, just like. All right, we'll wipe that whole thing. Let's create a new server that's got, you know, and we'll we'll do it a whole different way and whatever. So, I don't know. Any advice here? I mean, <laughs> get yourself a decent NAS, use that for storage, and then don't put everything on your local boxes. Yeah, so, like, I don't put anything on my local boxes already. <laughs> like, my storage pool and my garage is basically where everything goes. Um, except for games, like I can't really store games on a NAS because, right. uh, um, you know, latency is really important there. Um, but now, everything else basically goes out onto the, the, the storage server. The problem is that, like, um, if you want to be cheap about things, which I do, uh, um, and I'm using all, you know, second secondhand eBay hardware, um, uh, your options get somewhat limited. Like most NAS solutions, even if you've got your own hardware, um, require you to have same size disks or, you know, a lot of esoteric requirements in terms of like um, uh, either same size disks or, you know, you need to have uh, uh, two storage disks for every one parity drive or something like that. Um, and, and I just don't want to do that because I'm cheap. Um, I mean, it depends on what kind of RAID you're using. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm using a snap rate right now, which is, is cool because, um, what version though? I mean, what rate are you, are you, or are you JBOD still? 
it, it's it's a JBD, JBOD setup, but SnapRaid basically allows you to. Um, so SnapRaid's a piece of software, and it it, it allows you to basically um, set up a RAID sort of setup, so you can uh, um, survive through disk failures. And they have recommendations based on the number of disks you have, but it's the most forgiving limitations so far that I've seen in terms of like basically, you know, like if you want to survive one disk failure, um, uh, then you need to have at least one parity drive if you want to be able to, you know, and so on. It scales. Um, so like my setup is like my biggest drive uh, um, is my parity drive. And right now I'm protected for one disk failure. So uh, that's pretty cool because I think I have like eight or 10 disks in there. Um, but they're all small shitty disks, like one terabytes and two terabytes and stuff like that there uh, um, for the most part. No, that's not true. It's probably like six disks. Um, and it, even still, SnapRate gives me a warning that's like, oh, yeah, you're kind of like at the dangerous end of the limit here. Like you should really install another parity disk. But it's a lot more forgiving in terms of like you can use different disks and different sizes and stuff like that. As long as your largest drive is your parity drive, um, you're mostly fine. Uh, um, but yeah, we're getting to the point where I need to order another drive just for parity. Um, so anyway, short story is um, I, I need to rethink my storage setup. The other thing that's got me worried is like I'm wondering if like um, I've actually got a bad drive situation going on on that server. Because that server drive setup is a three disk array no it's a four disk array um with three drive three drives striped in one drive just for parity um and i'm wondering if maybe i've got a sector going out on one of the disks or something like that which is why it's taking so long to read but that's challenging um so i i kind of just need to rebuild the whole thing from scratch like pull all the drives out put them back one by one Make sure each drive is mapped to the right place and so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, that that's like more effort than I'm really into right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't really have any advice other than uh, probably starting from scratch and, and maybe a disk uh, or two that are new probably wouldn't hurt. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully I can get another disk in less than a month. But, you know, that's where we're at right now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you never know what uh what size are you looking at um i don't know so another thing that's got me thinking about it is like it's like so when i say 20 terabytes in my head that sounds like a fuck ton of storage right like does that still sound like a lot of storage to you i mean you're in it and you know you probably are dealing with bigger arrays on your you know regular jobby job but actually no the biggest one use... i have is 30 well no i take that back i have a sand that's fucking massive but um I mean, for for somebody like you and me at home, twenty terabytes does seem like a a, a lot. I I mean, I have more, but that's. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not trying to lay it on the table and measure it or anything. Uh, a little bit. What? How, how big is it though? Well, let me log in and look. All right. <laughs> so anyway, while you're logging in, I'll continue my point. Uh, twenty terabytes seems like a ton of storage. And previously, you know, like if you go back even four or five years, if you wanted to build a twenty terabyte array. Um, it would either cost you like forty fucking thousand dollars, or you'd use a bunch of little last disks. So like you could get a one or a two terabyte drive, and you'd have to buy like five or seven or eight or of those, you know, and you know pull them all together and stuff like that. That's not true anymore. It's so, like six terabytes is only like one hundred and twenty five dollars. So like I, I'm I'm uh, really strongly considering the uh, other option, which is just replace. I think like I said, I have seven or eight disks. I think that build this array um, um it's not even really fair to call it an array it's just a pool of drives um 
but I'm really strongly considering just like uh, saving up a little bit more and the next couple of drives I buy are just like six to 10 terabytes and then um, moving all those out of there because it's just less, less complex uh, um, and less, you know, worry there. The downside of that though, is that, you know, storage failures, hard drives fail. That's been true forever. That'll remain true as long as we're using hard drives um, that they'll fail. And so, you know, losing six terabytes of storage versus like a terabyte is frustrating. Um, it also means you're like, your parity situation has to be even bigger. So like if you want to do a, uh, you know, three, six terabyte hard drives, you know, you probably need at least a 10 terabyte drive uh, to act as a parity, but you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So I have 45 terabytes. Jesus. You've done some upgrades because for a while there I'd passed you, but that's, yeah, that's more. Well, that's all of my NAS. That's um, so, and I've got a four bay um, QNAP and then I've got an eight bay expansion. Oh, right on. So, um it, so which, like those, are those rocked and like stocked or are they all just like uh, um have you got or have you just got a lot of big drives in there they're all sixes i think six terabyte drives yeah it's rate five now we're talking um e- and each one is a separate storage pool so i have i have the one that's the four bay is one storage pool and then the the eight bay is another uh the downside is is that when you have media on the storage pool or on the on the expansion bay those discs don't spin all the time so it doesn't actually do anything until it's called for so like if you're waiting for media to start sometimes it's like 15 20 seconds before whatever you're trying to play um starts which is not a huge deal if you're expecting it uh but when i first moved a lot of my media onto that storage array i was not expecting it so it took me a little while to get used to that i bet that's a setting too like i bet you can go in there and tweak that like there's probably a way to keep keep them all spinned up um i don't know that i would do it i haven't found it yet i don't know that i would do it anyway though because like that's fine like if i'm sitting at home and i want to watch a movie i can wait 10 or 15 seconds to you know do it like it's not a high demand environment and i'd rather have the power savings and not you know have to pay for the big ass power bill but yeah I'd plus, bet there's plus probably it a way extends to do that. the life of your discs if they're not constantly moving so exactly yeah cool all right. Uh, is anybody still listening? Anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, let's talk some video game shit. Um, no, hold on. Hold on. We got to talk about how I wash my ass now. Oh, you're right. Um, we got another big technology topic. Different type of technology than you're probably used used to, but I, I it, it, it comports. This is definitely a technology that we need to all get on board with. Uh, so essentially, uh, since we are uh, currently um, experiencing some weird social issues such as everybody buys all of the toilet paper whenever they can you know because like all you the supply chains are basically fine and you shouldn't really be worried about scarcity for toilet paper uh that's the first thing that everybody went to yeah yeah um so the first thing i did was like well if i'm not gonna be able to buy toilet paper i guess i'll order a bidet which i did uh unfortunately i ordered it right at the beginning of this whole thing and amazon postponed delivery like twice ouch but i finally got it on saturday um and i'll tell you nothing wakes you up in the morning like uh you know a razor sharp stream of cold water uh you know perforating your rectum (laughs) titles (laughs) um you know i could imagine that that might be a good way to you know like skip the folgers the good are you saving money on coffee now um you just you skip the coffee and instead you sit on the bidet for like a half a second and you're like oh i'm awake i'm awake Dude, it's it's crazy. So it's um it's not like a completely separate thing. Um, and you know, I'm gonna get in a little getting a little meta for the folks at home, but um 
it, it's essentially an attachment that you just attach to your existing toilet. You take the toilet seat off, put this thing on, screw the thing back on, and then it hooks into the same water line. Um, That's cool. Which we don't have great water pressure um, in our upstairs bathroom. And so my wife was like, man, uh, I don't know if that's going to do anything. <laughs> um, if it's sharing the water line, boy, was she wrong. Uh, because I turned it on without anybody sitting on the toilet and shot the mirror across the bathroom. <laughs> so, yeah, I wish you would would have recorded that. Like that sounds like it would be a very very funny TikTok sort of situation. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so it works, and uh, I consume less uh paper products this way. So I, I'm doing my part. Nice. You know, so here's the way that I'd, I'd frame this. Like, I think really, uh, so I, I have not ordered a bidet yet, but I think I need to. Um, the downside is it's, they're not everywhere because like the way I heard this described to me is like, okay, here's the case for a bidet. Um, think about it. If, for example, you got shit on anywhere else on your body, like if you just accidentally touched it, would you use dry paper with no cleaner whatsoever and you'd wipe that off and you'd be cool? No, obviously not. You obviously would not do that. Um, so a bidet seems like it, it's it's a requirement rather than a suggestion. Um, uh, America is behind. Like we we don't use them here as often as probably we should. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, the the difficulty now is that like uh, you're not the first person to think about this, and I waited too long. Like while well, I was considering, I was like, well, it's not really a problem yet, right? Uh, and, and then I didn't order one, so now the the lead time on them are quite long. So, so anyway. here's the thing, though: I you you can follow some advice though and get the right one if you really are looking for it. I bought the one that I could. Um, that that number one, I don't have immediate access to hot water near my toilet, so I bought just the single inlet cold water one. Um, which you know is all right. Um, but they do make ones with two water lines, one for hot, one for cold. So you can actually have a warm water splash instead of, instead of just straight up cold. Uh, the other is, you know, you have women in your household that will appreciate you. If you buy the one that has the, um, adjustable, uh, wash setting. So it moves more toward the front. If you, if you would like mine also does not do that. I see. Um, I, I really feel like we're doing a, a great public service right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hygiene, right? Yeah, for sure. Apparently, people um, stopped washing their hands for a lot of years, and now we're in the situation where people are like, no, fucker, wash your hands. Yeah, it's wild to me how many people are like, wait, we have to wash our hands? Because, like, I've always been compulsive about that anyway. Like, I don't, I, I don't actually have, like, an OCD or whatever, but I've always been somebody who, like has to wash my hands immediately after touching anything. Otherwise, it just drives me mad. Um, so, yeah, the the amount of people who are like, eh, I got to wash my hands. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if I could do it. Um, it's just like that. That's scary. Yeah. I mean, I food service background, I think, helps me out quite a bit because that's just what you do. You wash your hands all the time. Yeah, exactly. But then you go out into the world where people haven't had those jobs before, and it's like they're washing their hands at work like two times a day, maybe. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> this actually could be our PSA for real, for real. Um, wash your hands, you filthy animals. Like, yeah. um, here's the thing: like when I go out places, like the unfortunate bit of coronavirus is that it survives on surfaces a lot longer than we'd like it to. Um, so if you don't wash your grubby mitts, um, you're probably every time you go to the supermarket and you're touching shit, you're putting it on that. 
Um, so the other good news here is that like you can't really get coronavirus from ingesting it. Like you don't get coronavirus from eating it. Uh, it it's a you know respiratory thing. Um, so you're probably mostly okay in in the case of like takeout food and stuff like that. But uh, for example, when you bring food home, you need to wash your hands and then wash your hands as you're preparing and so on and so forth. Uh, um, but yeah, it'd be a lot easier for everybody if you went to the store and you didn't behave like an animal and you wash your hands before you went there and after and so on and so forth uh, and just prevented that sort of spread. Also, you know, just fucking wash your hands anyway. Yeah, it's, it's just even when there's to. not a global pandemic, it's OK. You can wash your hands. You have our permission. For sure. All right. Shall we talk some video games? Uh, we can. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, before we get into the bridge crew uh, discussion, I did want to let you know that if you are a Steam uh, member and you are a fan of the Lego games, as I am, um, the Lego Marvel series is on sale this week. You can you can get actually you can really get the whole thing for like 26 bucks if you wanted to, including DLC. That's that's three games plus DLC. Right on. That is really good. And so like. Uh, even if you're not a fan, that's a good price for a lot of entertainment that you might actually enjoy. Um, so I'd, or if you got kids that are fans, yeah. Like, oh, speaking of, how are you doing with the whole quarantine and keeping your kids occupied thing? Um, I've I think I've only sh- uh, threatened to shoot the kids a couple of times. Yeah, it's actually amazing me. Um, so like obviously everybody's at home right now, with the exception of my wife, who is a another essential employee. Um, but the kids, I'm I'm very shocked. That we're, you know, whatever, 48 minutes into this, um, and it's not been a train wreck because there hasn't been a thousand different things. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're definitely bored. Like, I tweeted a thing the other day. Um, my daughter came out the other day out of her bedroom looking like a sort of, like, rainbow Ace Freely sort of knockoff. I saw that. I, I believe I saw that on uh, maybe Instagram. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't post it, but Ashley or uh, uh, my, my daughter might have um and then some somebody definitely did yeah uh my my wife who although still works the whole time decided she was gonna buy a carpet cleaner and then spend like fucking seven hours cleaning the carpets um which god love her it's it's a much better situation over here since we have both elderly pets and uh new pets which is like the worst mix of like not getting pissed on your carpet so um and then of course my my youngest son uh kellen has literally just every single second of every day just tried to inundate me with a new minecraft fact um which i don't know (laughs) if you know this but minecraft there's a lot of stuff in there oh and and so many videos on youtube to uh to to explain it all oh for sure uh my my middle son uh jackson so he he uh decided like we need some money so i can get some games so he was cleaning out the pantry the other day and while he was cleaning up the pantry uh, in what I can only assume would be an amazing I Love Lucy bit, um, dropped a bag of powdered sugar, which hit the floor and spread out, and then also simultaneously dropped a, ba- a-, a jar of Frank's Red Hot, which exploded all over the floor. Um, it-, it was something. Like, cleaning that up was a thing, for sure. That sounds like the worst kind of barbecue sauce ever. It does. It's not a rest. Like, I know we're all going to get bored during this time. And we're going to try new things. I cannot recommend this one. Cannot recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Um, we've all, we've all been doing pretty good, uh, keeping ourselves occupied. A lot of TV, a lot of TV. Oh God. Yeah. 
uh i'm pretty sure and and this started before uh we had a you know a a, a police stay at home order um but emmy and i were getting pretty like near the end of uh, we hadn't watched a lot of supernatural yet uh together recently and so uh finally we're just like you know what let's just watch it even when you're not here like we'll just you know try and keep up with each other and and stuff and so we finished like two seasons in the last couple of weeks uh and now we're we're on the final season now and they just announced that even though they filmed episodes 14 through 18 already the effects aren't done and they don't know when they're gonna release those episodes either so so we we've got five episodes until we're actually as caught up as we can be until this whole pandemic thing is is uh under control yeah that's actually harsh in my buzz too. Like, um, there's a lot of properties and stuff that's not coming out now because of the pandemic. And I mean, I, again, look, I get it. Like, I get circumstances. Like, 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 we've got record unemployment and stuff like that. And I'm over here being like, "What do you mean, Black Widow's delayed? What the fuck are you doing over there?" You know, like, uh, yeah. So anyway, we, uh, we we've I, got our share of, of first world problems that are associated with this and and you know you and your wife are essential employees i also uh as well as my wife are essential uh um so we're not suffering the you know the, the drain on the bank account that a lot of people are um oh so, yeah I, I i consider myself uh incredibly lucky in that regard because losing either income would have been a big deal for us um uh, so it is somewhat fortunate that we're in essential employees. That said, I don't know about you. I have a lot of anxiety right now about going to work every day because uh, it means it's more likely that I'm going to get this thing or that, you know, I'm going to help spread it and, and make people sick. So, uh, so um, yeah, so I don't have that as much because the nature of my job allows me to work from home as much as I can. So I did that all week last week, except Monday. I actually went to the office on Monday. Um, and I'll be going tomorrow as well. Um, and then after that, I don't know when, uh, for the foreseeable future, I'll be going back because I can't take Natalie to work and she doesn't have school. So, yeah, that it's actually super fortunate there too. My kids don't have school. Luckily I have kids old enough, um, that they can stay home by themselves for the most part. Uh, um, but yeah, I really feel for all the parents out there that, you know, what if you're the the worst of both worlds, which is to say, um, you've got say like a four year old, but you're also a quote unquote a, essential employee and still have to go to work. Um, or you know, I guess I guess the worst of all worlds is like you don't have to go to work, but you're also not getting any money because uh, even the stimulus that they passed this last week is still kind of terrible. Like it's it's really like if it's not a step one sort of situation, we're kind of totally fucked because this could go on for months still. So. I mean, if you're Nuchin, it's a pretty good deal because you get $500 billion to do with whatever you want and zero accountability for six months. Oh, but, you know, a trustworthy soul like uh, Mnuchin, like, what could go wrong? Right, right. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, VR. So I, for uh, Christmas this last year, um, after lots and lots of begging, I bought my kids an Oculus Quest. Um, so the boys mainly the girl the girl does not care about video games nearly as much she does play them but she doesn't care uh, nearly as much about this and she doesn't care about VR as much but anyway short story I bought the Oculus Quest for the kids um, so here's the thing with the Oculus Quest it is a standalone device uh, um, 
you can play that without any computer or PC, etc. attached to it. Uh, you don't need anything else, which makes it kind of cool. You can take it wherever you're going and, and it'll work. Um, um, some things require internet, but for the vast majority of stuff, you don't. Like As long as it's on your Oculus, you're good to go. Um, the downside, however, is that that limits a lot of stuff. For example, uh, um, you cannot play the new Half-Life game, uh, Alex, Half-Life Alex. You cannot play that on Quest um, because it just requires, like, I think the storage requirements alone are more than any Quest ships with by, you know, like, a factor of 10 or something like that. Um, so uh, the good news is they've come out with a thing called the Oculus Link. So uh, you basically buy a USB 3.0 cable, um, and you can plug it in your PC, and now you can play um, other games, like PC games, uh, on your Oculus system. Um, so that's, you know, generally speaking, VR intended titles that were for, like, say, the Oculus Rift or the HTC Vive or whatever. Um, you can now play that on the Quest. So uh, I mentioned this because I bought Star Trek Bridge Crew, knowing that this was the thing that was available, because it was on sale the other day. Uh, for like seven dollars or something like that uh, so I bought that and I was like a little bit worried that I was ever gonna get to play the game but you know whatever it's seven dollars versus like uh, fortunately this is a game that does exist on the quest itself um, you could buy that for you know thirty dollars uh, unfortunately those sales did not cross over um, but anyway I bought the game I, I got to play it this last week and I am semi lackluster about it like it's it's okay um, but it's about as deep as a puddle. Like that's, that's sort of my summary of like VR that I've played so far. Um, maybe it's only quest, uh, but it seems to me like that's the thing. Like it's a little bit of, but like, uh, so the, the, the Wii, for example, um, I, I've heard this story many, many times, which is like, I bought a Wii and I only use it for Wii sports and literally nothing else. Um, and every game I try is like either, uh, uh um, very surface level boring or whatever. Uh, so that's the same kind of thing that I've felt with VR so far um, in that the games that I've got to try on VR have been very uh, like surface level. Um, you know, you can get some playtime out of them and they're fun, but you know, like the other thing, so the Oculus Quest, um, I bought the bundle that came with Vader Immortal, which sounds awesome and it is pretty good. Uh, there's, I think three episodes of that game and you're like three episodes. So what did three episodes look like on any other gaming system? How many hours do you think you could put into that? I mean, to me, three episodes would be like, I don't know, 50, 60 hours. Yeah. It's like seven at best. Um, uh, so it, it's, it, the storyline is very short. They have other modes. Like there is a dojo mode where you can basically go in and just lightsaber battle, but um, it, it's very like limited in terms of what you can do. Um, like, so lightsaber movement is not exactly mapped the way, you know, like it's not like real life. Um, so you can do a few moves and it's pretty good at tracking your arm movement um, with the controller, but it's not like you can get infinitely imaginative or anything like that. So that shine wore off for me pretty quickly. Um, so uh, Starcraft Bridge Crew is a lot like that. Like it is number one, like, oh man, this is the game I've always wanted. And then I played it for like two hours and I was like, but is there anything else to do? Um, you know, because like once you get the basic mechanics, which, you know, are cool. Um, but once you get the mechanics of it, it's like, 
oh, this is we're we're gonna play the same mission a thousand times, or you know, like a, the same mission with a little like a uh, bow on it, you know, sort of situation. Yeah, so far my impression of VR hasn't been that it's gonna take over anytime soon as as the the predominant way of gaming. It seems like there's maybe not a single game out there that is enough to um tip anyone over the edge and be like, no, this is the thing that you have to do now. Okay. So that's actually perfect. That is perfect. That's the best segue I could possibly mention. Um so uh what I have not gotten to play yet but what is out on VR this week is Half-Life Alex. Um, so I assume you've played at least some of the Half-Life series. Honestly, no. Really? Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> I, I played I played Half-Life way late. So like so for example, Half-Life I think probably came out in the early two thousands, and I didn't play it until after the tens. Um, but Half-Life is a seminal series in, in terms of like gameplay and how we think of shooters and so on and so forth in general. There's a lot of things that it did that are just remarkable for the age that it was in. And so what I've heard so far, um, and, and by heard, I mean, was the original Half-Life. Jesus. You know, maybe I did yeah, play so that. I probably did at some point. The original Half-Life. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Half-Life 2, I think, probably came out in like 2001 or two or something like that. Um so what I wouldn't be surprised about, uh, uh, so anyway, in the way that Half-Life was transformational in terms of like how we play games, I've heard the same thing about uh, Half-Life Alex in VR. Um, haven't got it yet, haven't played it, haven't downloaded it. Um, it's still kind of an expenditure and I've been wasting money on a lot of other dumb shit like hard drives and so on. Uh, so I haven't downloaded it yet. But I've seen a lot of tweets and reviews along the effect of, um, yeah, this is the game that transforms VR. Like, this is the game that you get VR for and you want it for. So I'm looking forward to that. Like, uh, oh, that'll be that'll be huge for Steam if that's the case, because Half Life is a Valve original. Yeah, and really, um, so like, as much as I'm a Valve fanboy, um, they haven't made a game in like fucking forever. Um, <laughs> So, like, the last real game I think that uh, Valve is responsible for is probably Portal 2. I might be wrong, but, I mean, they they have a lot of games in continued development, like Dota and whatever. um, But they haven't really made games for a long time. Uh, um, And so having them come out with another seminal work, uh, to me, is kind of amazing. Um, um, So I hope hope that this is true. Like, I've seen some, some little, you know, snippets of gameplay here and there. And like I want it to be as good as they say it is, uh, because the thing I get the feeling with VR is like, oh, this is a transformational technology. Like when you play your first VR game, oh, Left for Dead is also a, a Valve deal. It is, but I don't. I mean, Left for Dead uh, probably came out around the same time as Portal. Like, the, I just I I think before Alex, they haven't really made a game for at least five years. Um, I, I I mean to illustrate your point, I mean you can buy the Valve Complete Pack for like sixty five dollars and get everything they've ever done. Yeah, and I don't I I actually would kind of recommend that because everything they've ever done is still really good. The Half Life games are really good. Portal alone, Portal still to this day, I would highly highly recommend um, Portal Two in particular. Um, sort of like took the 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 you know sort of like i wouldn't say beta but they took the idea of portal one and like made it the, its own thing that's very very good um but anyway half-life alex um i don't know i just i want to play it somebody gift that to me on steam um 
I, I really hope it's true because like if you've played VR for even a little bit, it is sort of a transformative technology, but it seems like everybody that is putting out VR games right now is basically putting out like mobile games as in like very surface depth, sort of like who cares, like no levels of this. And, you know, like when you compare it to like the infinite storylines of like these other games that you can play on PlayStation, Xbox, PC, um, it, it is just very, very basic. Like they almost feel like tech demos at this point. Um, so I really, really hope that... Um, Everybody that I've read so far is right, and Half-Life Alex is a turning point because VR is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's not being optimized for at all right now, and I can't blame them. Like it's it's still a very expensive technology. Like uh, four hundred dollars for a dedicated VR thing is still a lot, and that's the cheap one. Like um, you can't really get it in uh, on VR for less than about four hundred bucks. Uh, um, it, it's just not as accessible as a console is these days. Uh, um, so I hope, I hope that turns the corner, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, even the, even the PS4 VR thing is not cheap. I think it's still 300 standalone. Um, and you have to have yeah. a PS4 to use it. So, yeah. you know, you're Which talking another, $600. You know, bucks. Yeah. Um, total expense. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, to me, VR is a lot the same as the 3D TV, which, you know, I, I bought one when they came out because I think I paid $50 extra for the TV that had 3D um, when I bought it. And I, I mean, I can count like maybe four times the kids and I have like been like, let's watch a 3D movie, kids. And yeah, it just doesn't get used. So uh, here's what I'll say. Um, so 3D TV to me and that kind of thing is way more of a gimmick. Like, when I sat down, so the first, I think, VR game I'd really played was Vader Immortal. And it starts you off in the cockpit of a ship. Um, and so I'm not going to be able to do, the, to do this justice. But just think about the idea of that, like, you can turn your head and literally look around the cockpit of a ship. Like, that that whole idea... Um, it, it, like it, it started off asking me to do something and I'm like trying to figure out which button on the controls is like the one that I do. And then I realized, Oh, like I just, I can reach my arm up and I can hit the button on the console right there. I'm not opposed to the idea of it. I just don't think that with our current level of technology that we can do it in a way that's going to make me decide, okay, this is what I have to do now. Oh yeah. I'm I'm just uh, like all I'm getting at is the technology has so very much potential. Like um um I absolutely think that like this could be the future of gaming. Um but right now it's you know it's it's a little bit self-fulfilling like not enough people have VR so not enough developers are investing a lot of money into VR. Uh, so you get, you know, sort of these like surface level games that don't really have any depth whatsoever. Uh, um, and then of course that means not enough people will buy VR. So, uh, you end up with the same sort of like self-fulfilling cycle. So yeah, it, it is amazing. Like I, I'm still like, my mind is blown every time I put on the VR thing for at least like five seconds before I'm like, oh yeah, this is really like the game design is what frustrates me is like the game design is really boring after, you know, a short amount of time for a lot of these things. But um uh the the technology itself is is mind-blowing and i hope it succeeds so anyway shall we um how about we take a quick break uh, yeah and let's then do that let's come back and talk about picard 
All right, so we're back. We've got some, uh, I, I have a couple of quick media topics I, or music topics I want to talk about really, really fast. And then I want to dig deep into the whole Star Trek universe and Star Trek Picard in particular. Music? Oh, do we get to talk about the tool, the tool concert we went to? Yeah, it was amazing. It was the best concert I've ever been to in my life. And by that, I mean, I didn't get to go. And instead, I stayed at home and I played Tool really loud. And I figured out three notes to a song I like and uh, played that on guitar really loud for like a half hour. And my wife got mad and yelled at me and then I had to stop. So I, I, I have to I have to claim some responsibility for this this debacle, too, because uh, Eddie texted me several months ago and was like, hey, uh, Tool's touring. Do you want to go? And I was like, well, fuck, yeah, I want to go. And he goes, great, they're doing a show in Portland, and then they're doing one in Eugene. Which one should we go to? And I was like, well, I like the the Eugene venue a lot better, so we should do that one. Okay, so same, though. Same. Like, I, I was right <laughs> along the same lines. Like, like, well, if we don't go to, like, we wouldn't have to drive all the way up to Portland, and I'm sure that, you know, it, it's going to be a better venue, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, we both we both were like, yeah, let's go to Eugene. And, and so, Matt, how did that play out? Uh, well, so if we had gone to the Portland show we would have gotten to go to the Portland show. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. and then like the morning of the Eugene show, they were like, Nope, no gatherings over 25 people. So this has to be postponed. Yeah. It was literally like back to back to like, like they played uh, uh Portland Thursday night and played uh Eugene or it was supposed to play Eugene Friday night. And then of course the Friday show got canceled. So about the literal worst timing you could think of, you know what? I also have to check. I have to check if we got our money back for that. Uh, no, because they, they, it's a postponement. It's not a cancellation. Yeah, I just mean, am I going to be like fucking 47 and then I'm going to go be able to see Tool again? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, the, the wife and I also have tickets to go see Jimmy Eat World in May. They were going to play the 19th and Bend, and that just got rescheduled to November 14th and Bend. So now we get to drive across the mountains in the snow. Oh, awesome. Um, Well, the, then it's like an adventure because you have the not only the, the, the you know, luck to go see Jimmy Eat World and play in a cool venue, but... You also get the adventure of like, will we die driving in the snow? We'll find out. Um, yeah, yeah, that'll be super fun, I'm sure. You got a rig that can handle it, but yeah, just be prepared to have it take like twice as long as it's supposed to get over there. You know, um, it may not even be that. I mean, November it might not be that bad. I don't know, but it's it's just I you know the the May show was actually literally the day after my birthday, so we were just gonna we're gonna go on the the day of the show early enough to enjoy the day and then go to the show, stay the night, and then maybe get up in the morning and, and do some more fun stuff in Ben before we have to come back, and now it's going to be winter. Uh, in other music news, because um, that wasn't news, that was past. Um, in, in actual music news, um, so if you're following Nine Inch Nails at all, which I am because... Because who doesn't love Trent Reznor? <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the audience for that. Um, they uh, Nine Inch Nails, and, and really, the, more accurately to say, um, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross... Um, released Ghost 5 and Ghost 6. Um, so Ghost 4, which I don't know how they got to the 4 because there were no Ghosts 1 through 3. Uh, well, maybe. I think it was called Ghosts, and then they s- separated it into volumes. Yeah, that's right. That's what happened. Um, so they just released two new volumes, uh, 5 and 6, uh, um, that you can check out. So um, quick backstory on this. Uh, so Ghosts, uh, the Nine Inch Nails you know, albums were the first like sort of instrumental albums. And the way that I could best, you know, sort of frame this is it's almost like a uh, audition for Trent Reznor to start doing soundtracks. Like um, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have now famously scored a lot of properties that are really, really good. And the music is really, really great on. Like I regularly listen to the social network soundtrack 
um, because th- they scored that movie and that soundtrack is amazing. So uh, for those of you uh, who may not know uh, Trent Reznor, um, who essentially is Nine Inch Nails. Um, yeah. I mean, he gets a lot of great collaborators, but he writes all the music and does all the things. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Atticus, they they actually uh, scored Watchmen, the series, uh, if you didn't know that. That's where I was going next. And that soundtrack is very, very cool. You can pick that up on basically anything streaming. Um, I that That's another one. Like I was listening to the social network soundtrack a lot, and then I switched over to listening to Watchmen a lot. And now I'm listening to a lot of ghosts. And so, well, uh, here's the thing. like Bird Box 2, I believe they scored. I think you're right. And that was probably the best part of that whole movie. Um, <laughs> I've by it. a wide margin. It's it's not I, w- I wouldn't say trash but it it is definitely not like a just don't think too hard about it at all yeah give it a check check it out like um i try to listen to uh mainly instrumental stuff when i'm like working or doing something that i need to like actually be thinking about um like when i'm washing dishes or whatever i can listen to a podcast or whatever music i want but like if i'm working on a project that i actually have to devote some brain power to i tend to listen to something that's instrumental and so i really like the vibe that uh, trent Reznor and atticus ross have going on so it tends to be a lot of that kind of stuff um so yeah anyway ghost five and six uh really really good so far um um, I've only listened to it once, I think, all the way through, and both volumes have a little bit of a different vibe going on. I think somewhat deliberately, like, I, I don't get the feeling they made them last night, but I think that their definite intention was that, like, one of these was going to be a little bit more positive um, uh, sounding than, you know, previously, which, you know, if you know Nine Inch Nails, um, especially, um, positive isn't always the way I would describe that, um, just in terms of, like, tone and, and, and lyric and whatever. Um, but these ones have kind of a, uh, a quasi happy feel to them, you know, a little bit more major scale. You know, what's weird about me and my my taste in Nine Inch Nails music is, I mean, I like it all, um, you know, and Pretty Hate Machine is is probably one of the quintessential albums ever. Um, But my go to's these days, I listen to a lot of the fragile and a lot of with teeth for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but those two records just seem to answer all of my my nine inch nails needs uh without without me having to to search out a lot of other stuff so if you're not as familiar with nine inch nails um maybe jump in there so yeah um the fragile is my favorite nine inch nails record hands down like yeah um yeah it's a little bit more proggy it's a little bit more of like a concept album um it is without a doubt my favorite record um that nine inch nails has done uh there's almost no tracks that i can skip on that uh especially because it's it's a very good album that you have to like sit down and listen straight through to that said which it's it's a double disc record too so be prepared that said you brought me to this weird uh sort of uh story segue point that i i want to mention um I don't know if I texted you about this or if I texted Ashley about this, but um, so the other day, and again, I, I work in a restaurant, there's music going in a lobby and I'm listening to the music. It's a pop song. It's a very, very poppy song. Like um, um, in terms of like Britney Spears, sort of like Spice Girls, like pop level. And then I'm listening to it because I'm just sitting out there and what else am I going to do? And I'm like, these are nails lyrics. Like what the hell is going on here? And then I'm like, I'm listening a little bit more. I'm like, this is fucking Miley Cyrus singing Nine Inch Nails, but not quite. Like, it's an it's a very poppy sort of like 
uh, uh, version of Nine Inch Nails song with the lyrics replaced in some cases so it sounds happier. And I'm like, I like I, th- th- this is the most internet troll outraged I have ever been. Like I, I'm like I I must go to the internet and express express my displeasure. You know, like uh um, okay. But as it so happens, like so I'm listening to this and um, I Google the song, and it turns out it's not Miley Cyrus that's singing it. It's a character she plays called Ashley O from the series Black Mirror. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say. <laughs> Have you seen Black Mirror? I, I've not watched it, but I, I've heard about this. Yeah. So um, this particular episode features a lot of Nails music, um, um, but done in a very subversive way. And so I will say, number one, whoever was like, uh, green light, let's put this in uh, uh, supermarkets and whatever. Uh, that was a dumb fucking call because this is very, very like sort of like a satire level uh, um, 1984-esque like parody of a thing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I watched that episode and I instantly appreciated like what they were doing there because like, it it is so subversive, uh, what they were going for and what they did, especially using nine inch nails to get there. Like the song in particular, uh, in particular that I'm thinking of is right where they belong. Um, which is off of the With Teeth album. It actually closes off the With Teeth album. Um, and then that's the song that Miley uh, or her character, Ashley, uh, um, sort of parodies and, and, and changes. She, well, she also does Head Like a Hole in Black Mirror. She does. And then we get, I, I is Head Like a Hole the one she does at the end? I don't know. Well, I haven't you haven't, Again, I'm, you I'm haven't just... seen it. But but does it sound like Head Like a Hole, like thrashy and loud and, you know, like? I, I don't know. I haven't listened to it. I'm yeah, literally so just interneting it right now. She does. She does a few different Nine Inch Nails songs. Um, and again, it's just it 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 is a it's a good episode. I really liked it. Maybe a little bit of that is because I really like Nine Inch Nails and like seeing the way they subvert that expectation was really really fun. Uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, it also here's another thing. Like, I'm kind of a Miley stan. Like, I don't particularly like Miley Cyrus's music but th- this this whole episode brought me a like a lot of respect for her like she's obviously very talented like th- this is the thing for a lot of these people performing um they're obviously very talented uh, um even though they're not making things that are for me or that seem to be making things that are like you know act- actually honestly the opposite of anything i could care about um and that's kind of been miley cyrus's career trajectory so far like she's making things that are definitely not for me and things that actually i really really don't care about at all um but this is like the first time i've actually like oh actually she's really talented and that she's participating in this means she must have some familiarity with it and it was it was i don't know it's lame like it is lame but reveal uh a, a very little known secret about myself and that is that i actually 100 percent have a lot of respect for miley cyrus uh because of her talent and because she literally gives zero fucks oh yeah like, like that's the other thing that's easy to like about her these days is that like it's clear she rode that disney train to get here um but now she just could not give a fuck. Like there's a lot of um, in this particular episode, there is a lot of oblique references to the mouse and how she feels about it. Um, I, I won't really spoil any of that, but I'll just say like there's a lot of stuff in there. If you're paying attention that really kind of highlights uh, her involvement with the mouse these days. 
Yeah, and and if you want to if you want to see something that really showcases her uh her talents as a as a singer, um go YouTube her um covering uh Dolly Parton's Jolene. I dare you. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've actually seen that one again organically not because you told me to. Uh it is very good. Yeah. Uh so another, you know, brief music topic. Um just go listen to Silver Sun Pickups. Like that's that's the that's it. That's the whole thing. I um for whatever reason these days I've gotten really into Silver Sun pickups. I really really like the band. Are they super bluesy? No, 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 no. no? Silver Sun is like mid two thousands, sort of like neo uh uh rock sort of situation. Have you heard of the song Lazy Eye? No, but I I I have a hard time branching out to things that I don't already know. All right, I I just hit a marker. <laughs> I'm just gonna like play you like five seconds of it, and I'm sure you'll get it. Hold on. Anyway, um, Silver Sun pickups. Uh, so it, uh, so here's the thing. Um, my wife does not like the singing style whatsoever, so she gets a little mad when I put it on. But, um, she's wrong. So anyway, uh, the singing style in Silver Sun is obviously like I, I don't know. I, I, you could say an acquired taste. Like he's got a very distinctive style for sure. But here's what I will say. Um, I did not know this is a sort of like singer guitar slash guitar player situation. Like I expected listening to this band that those were two separate jobs in this band um, because the guitaring on it is really cool. Um, There's a lot of things that I like about it. Like they do this like sort of like um, they manage to take these incredibly low key songs. So like take Lazy Eye, for example, which again, uh, I'll throw a link to the YouTube or something in here. Um, They managed to take Lazy Eye and um it's a very slow moving song in in there's almost no structure it's not like a you know chorus bridge chorus you know sort of situation there sure or rather first chorus first you know chorus bridge uh uh denima uh it, it is like a it's got its own structure to it and it just keeps building uh to this like crescendo that's that's just really amazing like it's not a surprise to me why this is the song that they everybody knows them for but they subvert that all over the place like all kinds of silver sun songs uh, um have that sort of not the same feel like they don't do the same thing over and over again what they do is they just sort of like subvert uh expectations a lot um so I, I I hope that um uh they'll continue to do that. I think their latest album is is a couple years old now, but um yeah, like I said, it was surprising to me to learn that um this is a uh singer slash guitar player because a lot of the guitar in it is actually relatively simple, but there's some stuff in there that gets so ridiculous that like I'm surprised that that's the case it, anyway, it's right up my alley for reasons I can't quite explain like. Uh, um, there's just certain like particular guitar sounds that I just really, really freaking love. And Silver Sun does that a lot. Like uh, um, Lazy Eyes up there in terms of like that sound of that, that song, which has like an open pedal to it um, and a lot of bending in it. Like I really, really dig. Um, but there's other songs that are right along those lines too, that I just, I can't get over. So anyway, that's my plug. Go listen to Silver Sun pickups. Uh, okay. I will do that. So, Without further ado, it's the discussion everyone has been waiting for. We're going to talk Star Trek. And 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 to lead this off, uh, as we record this, it is the birthday of one Marina Sirtis, uh, also known as Counselor Deanna Troy, uh, one of my favorites. Um, and if you were a teenager um, 
or even pre-adolescent at, at the time that next gen was a thing uh you'll know why <laughs> agreed um hopefully Riker's making her a pizza right now not to be overly misogynistic about things but you know um for for a teenage me you know uh you can make fun of me for being a nerd all you want but she's hot yeah um we can um we can start anywhere but that is actually a, a good segue into that like marina Sirtis uh was in an episode of star trek picard and i think we talked about this a little bit but uh maybe maybe we did maybe that was just text i don't know maybe i'm having a fever dream we we definitely texted about it we might have talked about it last week uh but yeah time has lost all meaning so i don't know um we're in the nexus um, yeah uh marina Sirtis. uh uh her character i think was good on tng but joke <laughs> um the the thing here is like i think actually she got the most development and like the best sort of characterization of her character in star trek picard so uh, prove we, me wrong bitches we definitely talked about this uh I- at least via text um because one of the things that uh that we mentioned was that it, watching next gen it almost like now as an adult who knows how TV should be written and stories should be developed. Um, and I'm not a writer, but I'm also not an idiot. The uh, it, it almost felt like a lot of the time in next generation that the writers had to write around counselor Troy's empathic abilities um, instead of being able to use her to solve whatever problem it was, either they just wrote her out of the episode completely because it would have been like, oh, well, our empath says you're lying, so go fuck yourself. Um, or they just didn't, like, it's it's almost like she had no powers whatsoever sometimes because otherwise it would have been a really easy MacGuffin to get out of the episode and they couldn't have that because they needed their 44 minutes. I don't know. It Watching Picard and actually having her use her abilities not only as as an empath but as a counselor uh to try and and help the situation that was going on was one of the most refreshing things that i think i've seen in star trek in you know 20 fucking years yeah like i'll echo that and say that like part of it is just purely the writing so like in uh tng um when we discuss like how deanna uses her powers it's a lot of like uh oh well he feels like I'm sensing a lot of anger from him, you know, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, the guy on the fucking Titan Tron in the middle of the bridge is like literally like seething. Yeah, it's a lot of like tell, don't show sort of situation, um, which is not at all useful. Um, Deanna in Picard, I think, gets flushed out and she gets to do that in a way that feels organic, like feels the right way to write her character. Um, like she's clearly... I don't even know that I would say like she's clearly an empath. It's just like this is how if you're going to write an empath, like this is how you should be doing it. Um, so I really, I, I really dug that whole that whole sequence. Um, this is of course the episode where uh, Riker uh, uh, joins the the crew, or you know, like gets to come on the show, um, and they do that with uh, Deanna and their child, uh, which is another callback. I, what was the child's name? Do you remember? I do not. It's a callback to another episode, and I can't remember exactly which one. But uh, uh, yeah, that's a that's another nice thing about that. Ep- yeah. All right. So now that we've meandered a little bit, shall we get off? You know, general feelings. How do we feel about uh, the 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 show Star Trek Picard? Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I am super on board with Picard, uh, whereas I apparently 
a lot of Star Trek fans are not because it isn't quote Star Trek. Um, and I guess I have this to say about those fans. And that is if you are so willing to not accept something because it's not your vision or what you thought Star Trek was about, then maybe you missed the point about Star Trek to begin with, because it's not about things being pigeonholed and boxed into one thing. Um, and yes, it was a very utopian idea, uh, you know, Starfleet being the benevolent, uh, you know, force in the universe. Uh, but all good things, you know, <laughs> pun intended, but yeah, uh, it, you know, the walls come crashing down and things change. And that's what Picard deals with. I think probably better than a lot of other shows that have tried to illustrate that or, or brought a franchise back. And, and don't get me wrong. This is not Star Trek, the next generation part two. This is, this is Picard. It's a different story. It's, it it's, it's a lot of things, but it's not a rehash of next gen. I don't want anybody to think that it is. Um, but yeah, if you can't accept that Picard is, is, an entry into the Star Trek franchise because it isn't your vision of Star Trek, then uh, maybe uh, don't be so narrow-minded. Here's the thing, nerds. Um, so like, like, like a lot of you, I grew up watching Star Trek uh, specifically the next generation. We've talked about that a lot on this show. Um, I just don't expect them to be making the same show in fucking 2020, 2019. No, not at all. Uh, like get off of 4chan and get out of the basement and learn to enjoy things for what they are yeah so like there's there's a lot of criticism i hear leveled against the show based on that sort of like oh it's not star trek because you know it and and what they're getting to is like it's not star trek from like 1989 um and i get that like i i I actually do we'll talk about this uh towards the end i think but i actually do miss some of that uh sort of thing um but uh, the short of it is like they're gonna make new properties like there's this is like a uh, uh people that grew up watching star trek now that are making the thing not people that were making star trek in 1989 or you know 1967 or whatever um that are now making it this is like people that grew up watching it doing that now i do think um there is some criticism i could level against star trek picard in that vein so like for example I uh really really didn't like the story beat where uh um the uh federation had basically lost its way and you know banned since um because I just don't think like on the on the one hand like uh in real life I entirely get that and it's not a bad storyline on the other hand I think Star Trek like there are some bridges I I wish they or I don't think necessarily are the best ones to cross um so that that was one aspect of like i didn't really like this for star trek although it did make for a good story um and which is you know we're all watching this for a good story so like it's a criticism but also it's also kind of like a yeah i liked it too sort of situation so yeah um i don't know they kind of fleshed that a little bit more toward the end especially with uh that half vulcan half romulan uh chick that kind of got herself in a leadership position uh mm-hmm. which which obviously was part of that um and so it's not like that was just out of the blue kind of a you know a heavy-handed 
thing that Starfleet just did on its own. Like there was there was some subterfuge and some subversion going on there. So I I, I I'm I'm willing to accept it for the purposes of the story. Uh, and I I I can't I can't name an episode of Picard that I just haven't enjoyed like purely. So oh no, I, I'm I'm right on board with you there. Like um, so that's another thing. Like I think just in general, if you go into this series a little bit more with an open mind. So like obviously we're going to watch this uh thing that we're heavily familiar with, and that we expect is going to be a, a nostalgia trip. Like um, I've said many times like on every single forum that's available picard is my favorite captain um so much so that like picard informs like um a way of life and leadership that i think that doesn't exist a lot of the times like i i think the other day somewhere i was uh, ranting on the internet about how like i don't care if it was even the actual character picard uh, that was in charge of the you, the country right now. I'd take their fucking writers because they clearly understand like leadership and duty more than um anyone went anyone we've currently got. I don't know. Ronald D. Moore gets a little dark sometimes. It, I mean, especially if you've watched Battlestar. But I, but I think he gets like that sort of like aspect of leadership and like he writes that in a credible way. Um, especially when it comes to Picard. Like Picard is sort of like almost almost exactly like my picture perfect sort of like uh this is what leadership looks like scenario um and so here's another thing that again i i won't say as a criticism but uh another thing that like hurts a little bit and again it's good it's good because you know like stories are meant to make you feel things um picard the the show star trek picard um breaks that a little bit like it shows picard's flaws and like they were always there um like there's a line in one of the episodes where picard says something like uh, um talking about somebody else like he's like uh, you know a little standoffish doesn't make connections easily you know like me and i was like yeah i mean that's always been a thing um uh but on the other hand it's like it it shatters this like perfect vision of perfection that I've, you know, again, is probably really largely through a nostalgic lens uh, um, that I had before. But yeah, I also don't know that I love it. Um, I, I mean, I do love it. It's, it's a good way to go. And if I were writing it, that's what I would do. But still, it, it hurts a little. And that's probably the point. I mean, obviously, like that, that's that's kind of the thing with. Uh, it. I don't know. I, I have a. Everybody wants to be comfortable these days. And we have a really hard time accepting anything that isn't comfortable, even if it's, you know, for the greater good in terms of like telling a story or, you know, look at look at uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem. You know, that made people uncomfortable. So it was a bad thing. But, you know, what form of protest was meant to be comfortable for everybody? So we get too caught up in our own comfort and what we think things should be that when they're not, we have a hard time enjoying them, even though if we actually take ourselves out of it and just watch for what it is, we might like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's less serious than that, obviously. But um... yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to equate the two things like my fandom is obviously not nearly as important as, you know, a political protest against racism, uh, whether it's, you know, systemic or or a one off situation. But it's it. It's it's one of the things that when when we were talking about it a second ago, it, it brought that up where it's like, you know, 
it's it's all about comfort these days. Everybody wants to be comfortable in what they like, and in, in the second they're not, then it's it's a big deal, and it shouldn't be. So like, I, um, I I hope I'm getting that across. Like, um, there were a lot of points of this that did make me a little uncomfortable. The things that I didn't like, but on the other hand, like, it makes sense. Like, uh, um if you think about the logical progression of that, it makes absolute sense. Like it's one of the things I liked about the star Trek generations movie. It's one of the things that I liked about star Trek Picard, like his experience with the Borg should be fucking super traumatizing. Um, it should be something that sticks with him forever. And so I like that, that, like Picard does that. That's one aspect of it. There's a lot of things that Picard does that are along those lines. Um, in terms of like, let's give some weight, let's give some uh, uh, realistic storytelling to what would have happened uh, based on the scenarios and circumstances of these characters. So for that aspect, I think I think it's actually kind of brilliant. Like I love that. Um, the other thing too is it doesn't compromise Picard. Like Picard is always this high and mighty sort of like act. act absolute ideal of a thing. Like I I kind of already talked about that a little bit. Like that is Jean-Luc Jean-Luc is always sort of this high and mighty thing um uh or a person that uh doesn't uh sort of compromise his ideals and stuff like that and that's like a story beat in Picard that's a, a thing that I feel all the time especially given the characters that he's you know surrounded by most of the time um I I thought that was actually brilliantly done um but anyway if 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 you don't want to hit on that shall we talk about the finale uh yeah i mean i think it had everything that i i think we wanted in in this particular series i mean number one i mean let's preface this we're in an era where tv shows aren't 26 episodes anymore um and i think i think what we found is we're having uh seasons of shows with far less filler and more meat and potatoes of the story which I like personally. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Next Gen had some great episodic episodes. Um and uh and I think that's what TV was back in the day. I mean, you 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 weren't looking for as much, I think, uh any at, at that point as we are now. Uh and so we're we're very much in the 10 to 13 episode era of of TV watching um in a lot of in a lot of ways. And so the 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 10 episodes we've gotten of Picard um have been action packed uh story packed. Uh, I mean there's been a lot in in each episode. I'm somebody who when I watch TV a lot of the time have something else going on. I've got my phone in my hand, I'm doing other things um and and listening more than i'm watching and very much like uh the first several scenes of game of thrones with picard you can't do that you're you're you've got to be invested in what's going on on the tv or you're gonna miss it and um which i appreciate anything that makes me actually put my phone down long enough to to watch a fucking show for an hour um probably deserves that credit um and and i i don't think we were disappointed at all uh in the finale and the only thing, and and this is not a criticism of the show, um, but just how we do things and the internet and social media as as a general rule, is I would have preferred going into this finale not knowing that there was already a season two in development. Yeah, um, it's hard to make that a reality in today's current climate, but that was a thing too. Like, um, so we're already 
heavily in spoiler territory, but if you're not aware that we're in spoiler territory, heavily in spoiler territory. Um, so the thing is, like, um, there's this sort of like uh, throughout the season, there's this hint that Picard has some sort of problem going on, which is going to kill him. Um, this episode, we're we we expect to see his death. Which, which, by the way, I think that for me is one of the most poorly written aspects of the show because for the entire show it is just this thing and then halfway through episode nine and then all of episode 10 all of a sudden it's like it's it's Chekhov's gun yeah it's at the forefront and I I uh that was a weaker element for me as well um like again uh I like the way he played it like um um Obviously, Patrick Stewart can't go wrong, and he he's brilliant in basically everything he does, and this was no exception. Um, but uh, that element for me was not a thing. Like, as a story beat, I don't know that I like that at all. Um, it it kind of makes sense given the finale and given the season, what they were doing. Um, I just don't think they did it right throughout the series. Like, I think that it should have had a little bit more, um, like, background impact um, throughout the series rather than being like right in your face through episode nine and 10. Uh, um, but mostly like very, very periphery for all the rest. So, um, yeah, that, that part bugged me a little bit. Uh, um, the other part that I both loved and bugged me a little bit was like, this episode was a little bit fan servicey. Like, so don't get me wrong. I am absolutely a mark for fan service. Like I, oh, I think too. I texted, I, I texted Matt like uh, when I was watching this episode and uh, about a specific moment, and it is the most fan servicey element of the entire series, uh, uh, for sure. Um, but there was a little bit too much of that, I think, in this episode, and I think they would have done better if they would have like balanced that a little bit more throughout the series. Um, that said, it's it's kind of hard to do because, uh, um, you know, like. Every time you expect to hear Picard say "engage," you know, like it, it, it's like the the thing that you're waiting for the entire time. And when he does it, it's like, ah, oh, he said the line. He said the line. Everybody clap. You know, he did the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, he did the thing. Um, uh, so I don't. On the one hand, like I, I'm very on board for that, but on the other hand, you have to be really careful. It's sort of like along the lines of like, uh, Steve Rogers. Uh, uh, so, so shifting properties, Steve Rogers doesn't say Avengers assemble until Endgame. Like, you gotta be careful how you use those. Like, oh, obviously, hey. Avengers assemble is a thing for the comics, but Steve doesn't say it say it until Endgame in the in the movie properties. Yeah, no, I and I it, that was so well done. Oh, I agree. I loved it. That that's like the best sort of fan service, exactly right there. And so you have to like be careful about balancing those things. Um, so there was a little bit of that too. Um, uh, that I thought they could have done a slightly better job with. But you know, uh, second thing, how do you feel about Data's use throughout the season? Actually, I was super on board with it. I I loved it so much. And then I I, I and I not to go into the weeds, but I read an article uh, the other day about how um, Brent Spiner has actually said that that that's legit the last time he'll ever portray data and i think that's probably a, a great idea and uh for me 
I think this this would this worked for me because um and again we are full on spoiler territory so I don't want to I don't want to um beat around the bush on that but Nemesis did not give Data the death he deserved and uh it did not really elicit an emotional response from me when it happened other than I was like what the fuck um whereas this particular portrayal of Data and what happened here with with his actual death uh on Picard like this this was this was not the easiest episode of of anything Star Trek ever to watch because of how um uh, emotional it got and I that's that I, I think that's half the reason I love the show as much as I do was because it was it was so well done that it did elicit those emotions yeah uh heavy agree so like um uh so number one um i i like that they're gonna put data to bed and i think this is a better way to do it like at first i was like upset because uh um it was a little cheap bringing data back but on the other hand it's like well they have to undo some wrongs in the past and i get that in 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 the past story writing and i thought they did that pretty well the other thing too is like i think they needed to put data to bed because here's the thing if you're an unaging android you have the real world concern of like actual regular ass people age um so like brent spiner you know got older so like it was jarring a little bit watching a lot of tng and then switching over to picard and seeing brent spiner there because as data because obviously data shouldn't age um so i like that uh, i uh, i'm having a hard time with data send off but i think that it's probably the right call and it, it's the probably the best way they could have wrote it um i just you know, don't know that I agree with the premise. Like, if if you're a android, like I, I think he would have, you know, wanted to keep going. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I I think real world concerns is uh, in involved. It makes sense that they, you know, wrote him off that way. I I mean, I I think it's it, it's it's a little funny when you contrast it with like the final episode of of Next Gen, uh, when it shows him sitting in his study with his like stripe of gray hair, you know, and his maid saying something about how it's ridiculous and she keeps telling him to take that stripe out because he doesn't age right yeah and and then there's that and then there's there's what we get in picard which is basically this android who all he's ever wanted was to be human at some point yeah and at this point he's he's not a physical body anymore he's living in this like this weird vr world and it's all he has and so the last human thing that he can do is die and i think that's okay and and um and the way they did it i think does justice not only to the character uh but to the actor who you know probably didn't want to do this again anyway you know what i mean like i mean he is what he is in terms of of you know a defining character actor in this in this world of of star trek that that you know probably you and i wouldn't be sitting here without um but it i don't know it's it's it seems fitting to me i i enjoyed it i didn't hate it as much as apparently some people do and but you know i mean there are there are people that love franchises only to shit on them you know it 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 is what it is in in this world with the internet and everybody can say what they want whenever they want 
Um, yeah, I I don't want to open a whole other can of worms, but like this was a much much better close to me, like a thousand times better than say like Rise of Skywalker. Sure, sure, and yeah. and you know I didn't hate that movie, but you know again, oh, oh no, same. I didn't hate that movie either, but I just in terms of like where I w- wanted to see things go and where I wanted to see characters go, uh, and and what you know the overall plot would be. Like I actually really really enjoyed card nonstop and i'll probably re-watch it right i can't see myself watching skywalker again anytime i, I mean i'll probably soon. watch it. i i haven't watched it since it's been out on digital uh yet so i i will probably check it out again one of these times we'll do a run through and watch them all and 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 whatnot but i i don't know man i just i'm i'm so i'm beyond the point of of me thinking things have to be the way that i want them to be you know and and i'm, I'm a lot better these days at being able to just pull myself out of it and and take it for what it is. Oh yeah, uh, like it, looking at uh, this show so far, like so I think there's a lot of potential for next season, and it's kind of like Discovery. Like it wasn't exactly the show that I would make if if I were in charge, but it was good, and I think that it, it'll grow into something that it turns out I really love. And and secondarily, I think that it's the show that needs to be made for right now. Like you couldn't like you could not make the next generation today. Like you just couldn't. That show would fail immediately. It wouldn't make it past five episodes on the air. Like it just absolutely is not a show that would prevail today. So I I like that they're adjusting like to the current needs of what things are going on. Like it's like the same thing with Star Trek 2009, the movie. There was a lot of criticism leveled against that. Um, but the thing was, like, they couldn't do another, you know, like, uh, V'ger, you know? Like, they couldn't do another, you know, Star Trek 1 uh, movie. It just would not work today. Like, they... Star Trek, the motion picture, didn't work in 1970-fucking-9. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, no, it just I didn't. mean... <laughs> and and even still like the the um the ones that did work just couldn't be remade today so like i get why they did uh, uh what they did and i get why it's not a perfect uh, um analog or expectation of what i want these days uh um and and like picard falls into that for me like um so there's some things that i i i like and don't like overall though like i said i really enjoyed the series i, I or this season so far I, I will still definitely be a day one watcher on uh, when season two comes out. So, but then again, I mean, you and I also highly enjoy Discovery, which a lot of people again don't like because it's not quote their Star Trek, um, and it doesn't have to be. That's that's kind of my thing. Every Star Trek show has been different. I mean, the Next Gen was not TOS by any means, um, in that we had a captain that could act, uh, and then. <laughs> Uh, and don't get me wrong, I I enjoy the original series too, uh, you know, for its for its own uh, reasons. Uh, but then DS Nine, which is set in the exact same universe with the exact same prime directive and the exact same uh, overall philosophy, but it was different. And and a lot of people didn't and still don't like it to this day. Voyager, same thing. Uh, so it isn't just about that. It's not quote my Star Trek. It's just a different way to tell a story and also we're not telling stories in the same time period anymore that's the thing disco gets a lot of shit but disco was originally set 10 years before the original series you know and and picard is 30 years later so it's you know you've got to accept that things can change um 
you know, and I'm sorry, I don't care how much you love the dog, it's going to grow old and die someday, and something else is going to have to come along. So, like, I, I have to give Disco its props, too, because, like, the second season, um, I think, really, really redeems a lot of the things that people hated about the first season. Uh, I didn't. I, I was really on board the entire time. Um, so I, I'll add one thing. So I, I mentioned this at the top of our discussion. Um, so one thing that I think should probably happen, and I think maybe we see this with the Pike series, is I kind of want them to return to a more episodic format. Uh, um, not for every show. Um, I think that there's a lot of room to tell these sort of serialized stories. Uh, um, you know, even the old properly properties did that. They just did it only over a few episodes, or maybe there was an overarching theme for a series in, like, say, DS9. So but I kind of want to. I, I sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but here's the deal: like, we because the show is not on network television, we're we're not going to get that. Uh, it's it's always going to be a 10 to 13 episode serialized story and we're not going to get the episodic uh you know one-offs and things like that until it's on a network and we've got a guaranteed order of you know 18 to 20 episodes where they can actually do that kind of thing and i think that's the one big downfall to the series only being available on cbs all access i think if it was on network tv we'd have a lot better chance of that well it's it's hard to say and also it's funny because i think we read the same article because that was the the big thing that i i saw too was the like yeah it was easier to do episodic content when you were going to have syndication um, um which is not really a thing anymore especially when it comes to streaming services but um like I, I still want that. Like, I don't, I don't really care. Like I know the business concerns and whatever, and I don't really care. I still want an episodic show um, that uh, like blows my mind, like, or, or maybe it doesn't blow my mind, but like challenges my, like my overall thought process. TNG did that sometimes, you know, all the shows did that sometimes for me, like where you could have one singular episode that like, I could say like, I don't care if you like Star Trek. I don't care if you like sci-fi watch this one singular episode of TV. I promise you'll enjoy it. Like, I, I hope that that comes along again. Uh, um, well, yeah. I, I mean, we got that, like, I mean, I, the inner light is a great oh, yeah. uh, example of that. Or even the two-part Chain of Command episode from, from Next Gen. That's, that's a great example. Yeah, th- there's there's I, at least a half dozen episodes I can think of where, like, I don't care if you like Star Trek at all. I don't care if you like sci-fi at all. Watch this one episode. It is very, very good. Um uh i hope we see that again so like there's already heavy rumors of a pike series in development um that is pike on the enterprise uh i think that could be that series like especially because you know pike in general evokes that old sort of feeling uh um and i i hope that's true i hope i'm right i hope that's a thing that's that's and and i would ask that of of the creators and of of cbs you know if if there is that series give us 15 episodes and don't make every episode so way to the world that that we can't have that i mean you know you can do it like i i just uh you can do that you can have some overarching themes to the uh series um you can have those things happen but let some episodes stand on their own like there's not a lot of episodes that do that in the modern day trek that don't feel like throwaway episodes as in like, you don't need to watch or care about these. And there's are kind of obviously the ones where we just didn't have a time, have enough time to write everything out or build the props or whatever. Like, um, 
I, I think a little bit of a return to that formula that would, I think assuage a lot of people's uh, just complaints about Trek, just like one series, one property that does that a little bit better. And I think you get a long way to like universal acclaim. So right. anyway, um, so card, uh, good show. Yeah. Like it. No, I, I fucking, I thought it was awesome. Um, the, the last thing that I want to say is if you're into that episodic kind of thing, but also like the ongoing storyline, uh, Deep Space Nine is probably your jam when it comes to Star Trek. Uh-oh. The station manager is telling me it's time to cook dinner. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I, I'm going to throw this out there. At, at some point, we are going to do a watch through of Deep Space Nine on this show. I'm going to make Eddie do it. Um, in the meantime, if you are a Deep Space Nine fan, I've, I've, we put a link in the show notes to a documentary by Iris Stephen Bear. <laughs> okay, um, I'm sorry. I'm just watching Casey in the background, and it's killing me. <laughs> I know. This is not fair. You need to dig out your webcam because I have to be able to watch your kids and your dog, you know, make an ass of themselves behind you. It's it's mostly just my dog right now, but uh, yeah, that was that was delightful. Anyway, um, yeah, no, you're, you're right. Uh, I, I definitely want to do that. Um, I have not given Deep Space Nine its full the appreciation it deserves, and in fact, a lot of the things that I just said were like basically like make it more like Deep Space Nine, and you'd have a winner. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I think they're probably right. Um, so uh, I'm being stroked now by a child. Yeah. All right, let's okay. wrap it up. I, I, we all I think we all got stuff to do. So. Uh, if you liked or did not like or whatever, and you just want to yell at us, we are on Twitter at whatever show. Um, we have a Facebook profile as well. Whatever Face- show, Facebook.com slash whatever show. Yeah. Uh, Instagram. I think we're whatever show on Instagram. Yeah. We, we are what we call more lurkers on Instagram than we are posters, but we'll get there. Hey, we posted um, last week. Oh, right on. Did you I not know that? that? I, I I super did. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, we're all over. It. We're we're on all the places. Um, we're looking into ways to reach out more. Uh, uh, as well. But we also have email. If you, that's the only thing you got, we are questions at whatever.co. Or if you want to um buy a seat on this train wreck, we are a sponsor at whatever.co. It, it is is email like the equivalent of a PO box these days? I think it probably is. Like if somebody says like send me regular mail. You're just like, uh, how though? All right. I, I, uh, I also changed some things. I believe on, I think it was, I think it's our Instagram. I changed the, the email address. I think it was your email address at first. And I, I changed it to, uh, questions at whatever.co. So if you want to, want to reach out to us from Instagram, you can do it there and it'll actually go to that questions, uh, email box, which we both see <laughs> and we'll get. Somebody will read it. Somebody, Somebody will, read will do it. something probably. And my family apparently does not know how to cook food without me. So I guess that's where we're at right now. I have to go cook dinner now. They yeah, would all starve if all... I wasn't here. I guess that's that should be a compliment. We're all in like quarantine times and I have the same sort of situation. So I'll probably cut this and paste it at the top. But like, obviously we've had some audio challenges this week. Um, my dog has just been losing his fucking mind in the background this whole time. Hopefully that's not too distracting. Um, but I suspect that that's going to be the case for a lot of podcasts you listen to. Um, since, you know, like Steve, uh, Col- Stephen Colbert is like doing the show from his home on his AirPods or whatever. So Conan, yeah, Conan I, I, too. He's also doing the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So anyway, we um, all have the same platform now. Yeah. 
shitty microphones at our house. Yeah. I think I think we <laughs> might have a leg up on some of those guys because they're using fucking iPhones and shit. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you next week. All right. Later. <laughs>